Hey, everybody. Welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. Great show today. We have my friend Judson of Bespoke Financial on the show for a news roundtable. So first, we get a little bespoke update. Of course, they are a current sponsor, One Love, very close to the heart. Judson's also a really good friend of mine. We've known each other a while. He started listening to the show before he entered the industry. So a lot of love there uh, back and forth between the two of us. So after the bespoke update. We've got some great news topics. Leaf Trade raises money, Backbone raises money, Bazinga Capital Conference in Miami, and of course we talk a little bit of 420 which was last week. It's a great episode, guys. Uh, I learned a ton. You're going to learn a ton. Tune in. Listen up. Get acquainted. Before we jump into the episode, I want to tell you about an event that I'll be at and that you should go to too, May 18th through the 20th in Manhattan. It's MJ Unpacked. They're bringing together brands, investors, retail executives. It's going to be the future of the East Coast and Manhattan and New York and New Jersey. you got to be there May 18th through the 20th. It's going to be good, guys. Trust me, MJ Unpacked. All right, let's get into the episode, News Roundtable with Judson of Bespoke Financial. Judson, so good to see you, friend. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, sir. Great to see you and happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. Happy 420 week to you. Uh, looking forward to jumping into a bunch of news topics. That's what we do on this show. It's kind of a news roundtable. You and I, we both have opinions. You know what they say about opinions. We both have them. Uh, <laughs> uh, but let's start with a little bespoke. You're going to say mine's always right, but uh, I'll take it. <laughs> well, that's true, too. This is my podcast, so I'm right. Before we get into the news topics, let's just get a little bespoke update. Uh, I think you're the head of revenue. Is that right now? Yeah, that's correct. Um, head of revenue. So, I mean, that really encompasses everything on the sales side. So everything from sales to marketing and partnerships being a big focus this year. So originally when I started uh, three years ago now, it was the VP of business development. Uh, when in reality, it was really just George and I. So I was the, uh, the sales arm as a one-man sales team. And, you know, over the past few years, we've really expanded, uh, grown out to about 10 people on the uh, sales and, I guess, overall revenue team now and made some exciting hires this year where we've really expanded from just, you know, account executives and some SDRs to make some more strategic hires, bringing on um, a national sales director to help oversee the sales team. He's actually formerly of Weed Maps and out of Chicago, We've got account executives we've hired now in uh, Denver covering the Colorado market. We've got boots on the ground all the way out to Massachusetts. And then uh, we just hired someone specific to the partnership front as well. Um, so yeah, over the course of time, it's really expanded from a, a pretty simple organization with uh, just myself to a 10-man team we've got over here uh, on the sales and marketing front. So They've been a, a, you guys have been a sponsor of the show for the last couple of months. So I don't have to explain too much to the audience what you guys do, but super important that there's short term lending and debt available out there. Um, we'll do our little plugs at the beginning here, but really couldn't be a better fit for this show that folks can listen to an episode, hear that they need some money, click a button, 
get some money. <laughs> I know it sounds oversimplified, but it really is like that. And for the weed industry, that's super novel, super cool. No, I mean, to your point, exactly. We started the company three years ago to be the first lender specifically working with cannabis operators. Uh, over the past three years, more and more people have started doing it. So great to see it becoming more normalized. And yeah, April is real where we really start scaling up uh, every year. 420 is kind of, you know, the Christmas, the Black Friday and the kickoff of the year. Uh, so throughout the supply chain, we're seeing more and more, you know, purchases starting with our clients on the brand side, buying flowers in, in the month leading up to it. And then Obviously, the dispensaries have been buying pretty heavily over the past couple of months, just stocking the shelves for 420. Uh, so, yeah, we're happy to uh, finance the purchases across the supply chain from retail to cultivation. What kind of uptick are we talking about? Do you like, have an idea? Is there like this time, this quarter versus other quarters? Yeah, I mean, roughly, I'd say we see about, uh, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20% month over month growth in this kind of Q2 through Q3 timeline, where historically Q1 is a bit slower as most people are still kind of wrapping up their books from the end of the year, you know, getting all their ducks in a row. And then April is where it's really taking off. Uh, I guess contrary to that, though, we had a very strong start to the year, which is awesome because we've added some new products, uh, specifically working more with retailers, helping make it easier for uh, operators to apply, where historically an issue has obviously been um, providing comprehensive financials in the cannabis industry, as you know, uh, can be a bit difficult or time consuming. So yeah, we're just trying to make it easier for people to get on board and uh, get dollars out the door to help these businesses grow. Um is there a certain size company that's a better fit than others for what you guys are doing? Yeah, I mean, I'd say we span the gamut where we have clients with a line of credit, you know, maybe on the smaller side of 100K. We also have clients with $20 million plus lines. Uh, the line size is obviously tied to the size of the business where, you know, no need to have more than you'd actually use, but we can easily scale over time with our clients. So we've had people, you know, grow 10, even 20 X in terms of line size over the three years that we've worked with some of our longstanding clients. That's got to be an incredible feeling. I mean, the, the obvious pushback to this is short-term debt tends to be on the more expensive side, right? But in an environment where you're seeing all of your clients grow and come back for more, Obviously, it's working in an environment where it's very hard to get capital otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I think our, our client list speaks to itself to some degree. So, uh, yeah, exactly. We're working with top operators, really using it as a tool to scale up, uh, to your point, short-term money and you know, debt financing and cannabis is on the expensive side, I guess, would be a pushback that we get. But our clients are easily finding ways where it's actually making money for them by, let's say, you have the ability to purchase product COD. Can you negotiate down a discount that more than negates the financing fee? Or as simple as, I know you just spoke with uh, Chaz the other week from Friendly Farms. He's like, you know, I'll pay whatever financing fee it takes if I'm going to make 30% profit on an opportunity that I was not going to have any profit on otherwise. Mm -hmm. So it's really just about, you know, capitalizing on opportunities and finding ways to leverage the line of credit um, to increase your purchasing power. 
So I know you spent a lot of time working on partnerships too. Um, any new ones you want to tell us about? Yeah, I mean, it's been a pretty exciting initiative uh, over the past, you know, half a year or so. We actually just hired uh, someone who's specific to the partnership front. So I'm excited to have uh, Spencer, a new member of our team on board as our partnership associate. Uh, he'll be helping manage those. So it's clearly moved from more of a one-man show with me and the help of our team leading these conversations. Uh, we are about to announce a few of them in the upcoming weeks. Uh, one of those that I could talk about is PayQuick. So they're essentially a banking platform for cannabis operators, uh, connecting them with banks that will work with them and then providing a fintech platform to access and transfer funds. Uh, so we've just signed a deal uh, where we're basically providing a fast track for our clients to get cannabis compliant banking if they need so also helping them get preferred fees whereas i'm sure you know banking fees in cannabis are also expensive uh, so sometimes that can be a limiting factor and then in return you know providing really a fast access to financing um, for payquix clients uh, via bespoke and just uh, helping accelerate the underwriting and what have you and when you look at adding these new partnerships, and there's some more exciting ones we won't announce yet, but when you look at adding these partnerships, do you think like this is the amount of revenue we can unlock by doing this integration or this partnership or whatever? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like like we started, my my role has evolved over time from bringing on clients one by one, and you know we still have a team that's working with larger brands. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, how big we have clients that are, you know, hundred million dollars plus in revenue. But in terms of the partnerships, if you have the ability to bring on a platform that has a thousand or 2000 retailers on it in one partnership, obviously, you know, maybe not everyone will qualify for financing, but let's say, you know, best 50% of them, you just brought on, you know, 500, a thousand clients in one partnership, uh, maybe easier said than done. But obviously, that, that's the concept there. And really just looking at the GMV and how much uh, transactions are financed across that platform on an annual basis is the way that we go about it. Mm -hmm. Super exciting to see cannabis companies start to integrate and expand with companies beyond cannabis, right? I think that that is super rad um, and really like legitimizes this industry even more than it already has been, I guess is the point I'm trying to make. Um, I mean, to your point, we have some partnerships that will be announced over the upcoming weeks and really just a way, especially around 420, um, to help retailers quickly access financing. Um, and we've seen significant savings for the retailers and obviously the brands love to get paid on time. So it's just a win-win for everyone. If you can keep your vendors happy, by paying brands in a timely manner, you can still get terms provided by bespoke. Um, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer. Very cool. Does this exist a lot in other industries, like lending companies, lenders having access inside of software like this? Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's more common where there's you know marketplaces for let's say like health food brands that want to get into Erewhon's and the Whole Foods of the world where they can basically list themselves on a platform. I guess that'd be similar to like a leaf trade or a leaf link in our industry. And then they finance the transactions where 
you know, it's really just the limiting factor of lenders not necessarily wanting to work in cannabis, but um, it's been done in other industries. So we're really just looking to replicate that for cannabis uh, technology. Super cool. Um, you walked in right to the next topic, which is leaf trade raised $12.5 million this week. Leaf Trade, of course, the biggest competitor to Leaf Link or the B2B marketplace, right? Retail buying from brands. Um, I have to say, I didn't really see this one coming so much. I think people talk a lot about Leaf Link, less about Leaf Trade. But as I got into it, they're really big and they've got a lot of really big customers. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm with you. I had not heard of them as much until probably the past six months as I've started to, you know, go out and travel the country more in the, the post or, you know, wherever we're at in the COVID world. Um, but yeah, they seem to work with the who's who of MSOs. If you go check out their website and interesting play where you buy the, acquire the client as an MSO Obviously, there's tons of revenue, tons of transactions, but I think we had talked about it earlier is just, you know, how how much inter-supply chain transactions are happening within these, you know, limited license vertical states. That's more what I'm curious about how it will translate into the Western markets. Yeah, no, I, I think it brings up a, a fascinating question um, because, and Leaf Trade was the throwback Um this week on the episode. So I do know some about them, but I earned, I interviewed them like two years ago. They kind of fell off the map a bit, at least from my perspective. But yeah, you bring up a really interesting questions about the big versus little brands, right? And the way I look at it is these leaf links, the leaf trade, these marketplaces, they should actually serve the smaller brands best or the smaller retail or retail chains because it kind of gives them a chance to be discovered. Like- yep. If you're Verano, which I know is very, very close to Leaf Trade, and actually there, Brian Moore, the CFO, went over, which we'll see what that means exactly. But like, do you really need this that much? Like, is this something that you need if you're Juicy or Verano or, you know? Yeah. I listened to the throwback episode and they specifically said, I know it's two years old, so I'd be curious what changes there are, but that it's not as much of a discovery platform, but more just facilitating the orders. Just transactional, uh, yeah. So maybe that's changed because, yeah, it should be helping retailers and brands get connected. Uh, LeafLink is an obvious competitor here. In, in California specifically, you don't see as much use of these marketplaces as what I've learned happens in you know the Midwest and the East Coast states where there's so many retailers in California, so many different platforms, and a lot of people just like to work between the retailer and the actual brand rep. Uh, so literally yeah. just text messages. Exactly. I mean, I think a platform is great. Obviously it makes things cleaner and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I, we, but I think this is one of the major frustrations for both brands and buyers in California is that it's really kind of hard to break in and to meet people. And like, there is no fair playing field, I suppose. No, I mean, definitely in terms of getting connected from a new brand to a retailer. And then also just even things that we look at at Bespoke is, you know, where are our clients even aggregating their purchases? Like, is there one platform where if you wanted to say, hey, where do you place your POs? What is that platform? We rarely get the same answer. So everyone kind of has a hodgepodge of their own systems. Uh, so I think it's definitely 
you know, a space for the taking. And to your point, LeafLink had been the dominant player for a long time, it seemed, but I've heard, you know, less of their growth recently and more on the LeafLink or Leaf Trade side. Um, also, I mean, I, I caveat that where LeafLink Financial uh, does compete in some regards with Bespoke's products. Uh, I've obviously been following them for a long time. Actually, I didn't, I've never told you this, but the first uh, time I ever listened to one of your episodes was before we met and it was with uh, Ryan, the CEO of LeafLink cool. back in probably uh, 2016. So nice. uh, it's all come full circle here. And little baby Judson, you were thinking about being in the weed industry or you weren't yet or what, what was the- I was still in the fashion industry at the time trying to figure out how to break in. So uh, I guess for, for any listeners out there, you could be listening to the episode and uh, be on the episode down the line. <laughs> That's true. Uh, aspirations, aspirations. Um, any final thoughts on, on leaf trade before we keep moving? I mean, exciting to see where it goes from here. Again, I think we're so insulated in, with California and even now like some New York stuff, but we just, we don't have a good handle on the Midwest stuff yet. Or at least I don't. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to see how it seemed Western expansion was a prerogative based on the articles that I read of this uh, new fundraising round. So excited to see what that means for them and how that pans out as they move out of the MSO dominant states. Yeah. Um, more on the fundraising this week. Backbone, the supply chain software, they raised $14 million. Um, First of all, I think their biggest competitor, I was trying to think through this, is Flourish in the cannabis industry. More broadly, there's lots of ERPs. Um, and to your point, didn't used to be, uh, they didn't used to play in cannabis too much, but now they're starting to, which is interesting. I mean, why is everybody so excited about Backbone? 1212 of cookies invested. They've been around for a long time, kind of in this like stealth mode for a number of years. Why now? Why is this thing relevant? Any ideas? I mean, I think somewhat related to what we were talking about leaf trade, but it's just the need for an organized system of both inventory management and purchases across the cannabis industry. And I guess this kind of goes back to another throwback in our friendship, but uh, originally meeting through Trellis, which was my first foray into the cannabis industry, one of the early inventory management systems. And, you know, a common, you know, ask for the client was like, how do we calculate our cogs? How do we forecast? And this was five years ago. Uh, you know, we thought it was cool. We were just connected to metric and you could count plants. Um, it, was so the, cool. <laughs> it was cool five years ago. But, you know, when we'd be talking to a potential client, they'd say, you know, I've come over from XYZ industry and we used Oracle or we used SAP and I'm expecting all of these bells and whistles. And I think this is just a natural progression of companies like a backbone coming out of stealth mode for the past four years and looking to provide those bells and whistles are really just, you know, insight that you actually need to run a business. I wouldn't even call it bells and whistles, but yeah. understanding, understanding what your cogs are and helping uh, Pretty you know, <laughs> forecast and predict your inventory purchases uh, is much needed in our industry. And um, yeah, I think it's exciting to see companies like a backbone uh, really develop here. Yeah, I think the one part that was interesting is I was reading the article, um, this is the TechCrunch article anyway, 
very little mention of cannabis or the cannabis industry. And I fully recognize that, you know, the, their product is valuable well, well beyond the cannabis industry. I get that. But they've built so much of their business in the cannabis industry, kind of felt like a little weird to me that it didn't talk about it more. Yeah, I mean, I was curious. I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with some of the, the PR games, so I don't know if they didn't want to mention cannabis for any specific reason in terms of, you know, whatever it may be, or if they just genuinely are looking to market the product to non-cannabis industries where I think there's glaring need for kind of this, uh, you know, predictive or suggestive purchasing technology in cannabis. But I doubt that that's, you know, the only industry it's applicable to. And we are, you know, in a pretty cool position where all this new technology is built live for the cannabis industry versus other, you know, markets are coming from more of a traditional, you know, old school software, or old school way of doing things. Uh, we have the benefit of like building the technology live. So I think that does provide some cool developments out of our industry that could be applicable across the board. Well, we're forced to be a lot scrappier, right? And then, and the numbers are smaller um, than a lot of other industries. So I think it makes things easier um, to test. My guess is that the lead investor, which I'm sure it says in here somewhere, they didn't really want to be the lead in a big cannabis company. That's, that's my guess, right? And yes, part of that is they're looking at this as, okay, how do we get customers beyond that? But there's also kind of this like weird VC thing about, yeah, I don't know why that is exactly. I mean, look, I, I know 1212 is in the round. They're not hiding it. But who's Nautilus? I guess I should look that up. But <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, fair, fair point. And I, I don't know, but that was, I guess, more what I was alluding to. But like you said, 1212. Uh, obviously a big investor in cookies and the article lists cookies as a client. So I, yeah. I would assume they're really rolling this out across, you know, the different markets to the cookies brands named Terrison and Final Bell mm -hmm. as clients as well. Um, Final Bell is actually connected with one of our clients here at Bespoke um, being Headwaters, who's the, the cultivation partner there. So look forward to hearing more about uh, how Backbone is actually used across the industry. It seems like a helpful tool. Fascinating. And I guess we'll have to put a pin in it for now, but why not Microsoft? Why not Oracle, to your point? What are they doing that is well, that That's the, the funny thing. When we ask our clients, you know, what ERP are you using? You get everything under the sun from people are moving over to Microsoft now that they are open to the cannabis industry. People have customized sales forces and then people have the cannabis specific, you know, distros and flourishes of the world as well. So um, it's really across the board on what people are using right now. Wild, super interesting to see the consolidation come and everything, these different cycles. Cause now you have been in this in some time for some time now, when did you say you started 2016? Is that when you joined Trellis originally? 2016 was when I was listening to your first episode. 2017 was when I joined Trellis. So it's been about five years now. Well, that's a long time in weed years. You've already seen a lot of cycles. So um, very interesting. So speaking of cycles, uh, events in the cannabis industry are back. This week is Benzinga on 420 in Miami, which I know you're headed down to. Your shirt says you're already there now in your tropical Hawaiian shirt you have on. Um, I'm already in Florida. So I'm you are in Florida. 
Good. <laughs> what are you looking forward to at the conference? Yeah, I mean, to your point, it's just been exciting this year to actually have the conferences back. Uh, it's only April and I'm maybe already tired out where I've been from Boston to Colorado and all up and down California. Um, but this Benzinga, I've actually never attended and happy, happy I signed up because over the past month or so, it really seems like everyone across the industry will be there, um, you know, from investors of ours, uh, clients of ours, we're meeting, you know, with Jeter, who's a big client of ours. They're actually all, you know, originally from Miami. Um, there's some partners, like I said, PayQuick is a new partner of ours. They'll be there. Uh, so really just excited to see everyone together and conveniently it's a mix of, you know, clients, partners, and potential investors. So looking forward to it. So I think for what you do, it makes all the sense in the world, right? I mean, you can lend money across borders, across state lines, wherever you want, mostly wherever you want, I assume. We have, we have a lending license, I'll caveat that. But yeah, to some degree, we, we can be wherever we need to be uh, and still continue business as usual. You have to be licensed in each state that you lend. Is that the way it works? Correct. Got it. Okay, cool. I personally can be wherever, but uh, yeah, Not the we, money. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are working within uh, the regulations of each state. Understood. Is that hard to get regulated in a new state for what you do? Yeah, I mean, this is a bit of a tangent. We can get back to Benzinga, but yeah, we have to uh, work within both the cannabis and lending regulations of each state. So obviously, we have lawyers that focus on making sure we're set up properly there. Yeah. Um, so we, we're very deliberate about turning a state on as we see an opportunity. And we have about uh, 13 or 14 states now where we're licensed to lend. So that includes most all of the uh, recreational and even some of the larger medical, like we are we are licensed to lend in Florida here. So hopefully uh, we'll be meeting some Florida operators as well. Well, thank you for that. Um, but you can lend in the states that you are going to these conferences. I suppose that was my point. Yeah. And unless you're doing something like that, you're a service provider or you're raising money, is there a lot of value for like the regular cannabis employees or even like a lot of execs at big cannabis companies to go to something like this? I mean, there, as I mentioned, there's definitely executives from some large California operators and across the country where I think there is value if you're fundraising, uh, clearly it's called Benzinga Cannabis Capital yeah. Conference. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think depending on your role in the company, you know, CFOs, CEOs, your fundraising makes sense to be there. Uh, there is that glaring elephant in the room where, you know, the action is really happening on 420 at the retailer and consumer level. Uh, so definitely not lost on me where, uh, yeah, more of the salespeople, the brand reps and, anyone uh, on the actual consumer facing side should be uh, at the point of sale. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to your point, it's like Black Friday and the Super Bowl and Christmas all rolled into one. And the idea that these execs are off like, I mean, let's be honest, there's work, obviously there's networking, but it's kind of a party. And we're gonna talk about all the parties that are happening there. Like, it is a little ironic. <laughs> uh, the irony is not lost on me, but um, you know, I. <laughs> I've done my time over the years, uh, boots on the ground on 420. So um, back, I mean, we've we've had kind of quasi 420s the past couple of years with COVID. So excited for this to be on a larger scale. Mm -hmm. But uh, previous to Bespoke, I mean, you know, I was uh, working on the Higgs brand 
and we did some pretty epic 420 parties um, back in 2019, right before COVID. We had this Buds on Rose, which was basically a scavenger hunt up and down uh, Rose Avenue in Venice, partnering with a bunch of the local businesses. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely spent my time uh, driving some sales on the brand front as well. Um, shout out to Ollie and Higgs. He's been on the show. It's been a couple of years ago since Higgs was on. What, what's going on with Higgs? You're an investor in Higgs as well, correct? Uh, I'm, I'm a partner in Higgs. So that was, um, yeah, some, some sweat equity earned back in the day. But uh, yeah, Higgs is thriving, really launched in Michigan at the end of last year. We've been in Colorado for a couple of years, and then we continue to be in California. But um, pretty exciting to see the new markets turned on. And honestly, as you know, California has thousands of brands. So we're seeing uh, quick success in these new markets. Uh, so we have some big events going on, I know, in Michigan on the Higgs front for 420. Um, yeah. It's awesome to see the growth outside of our little Venice bubble that we were in a couple of years ago. Absolutely. Um, any plans for 420 this year? You're going to be there. You have a meeting set up. Are you going to get high? Are you going to party? What's your 420 plan? Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll be in Miami, so not a bad place to be for 420. Uh, I'm pretty stoked. I'm, I'm from Atlanta, and conveniently, the Hawks are playing the Heat. So I'll, I'll be going to that game tomorrow night as a little pre-420 celebration. And uh, yeah, meetings throughout the week. We have, uh, I think, on 420 of 420, um, probably plan on smoking some Jeters and uh, soaking in some Miami sunshine. So this is totally an opinion, but does 420 like mean anything to you anymore? It's become this like big sales day and marketing day. And maybe it's just our age. You and I are similar in age, but like, doesn't seem like people care about 420 that much. Is that, do you? I mean, I think that the industry jades you a little bit where there's just so much, you know, build up from a work standpoint where maybe it, it loses some of the, the fun factor you're talking about. Um, so yes, I don't think I've gotten as excited for the actual celebration. I'm excited for all the, uh, you know, initiatives we have going on as a company around 420 are more related to what our clients have going on around 420. And then, you know, maybe day of, I'll take a moment to uh, reflect, like I said, and enjoy my joint on the beach. It's not a, not a bad day to, you know, we're, we're blessed to be in this industry. It's not sure. a bad place to be. And uh, it's a good time to reflect on that. Yeah. I think look, without going too deep, like I just kind of separate cannabis the flower from like cannabis the industry um and i think like that has to be done right like if if you just only cared about who made music instead of just listening to the music like you would never enjoy music you know so kind of interesting kind of similar for me in that way um 100%. i mean i have friends that work in the music industry you go to a concert with them and it's like all business and as you know a fan i'm just trying to watch the show so exactly the same. We're kind of, you know, caught up in the business of cannabis. My, um, but my I was a restaurateur and I cannot go to dinner with her because <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is so good. And they're like, they put the plate down on the wrong side. And I'm like, oh, great. This was really fun. <laughs> well, 
Hopefully neither you you or I uh, have ruined weed and I, I still would enjoy smoking with you, but I, I feel oh. it, it does jade you a little bit. I think also we live in a time where we're so lucky to consume cannabis regularly and then it's socially acceptable. So the idea that there's a holiday where you smoke weed kind of is less relevant, but I think that's a great thing, right? That means it's like part of our everyday lives. So um, yeah, interesting. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And like I said, I mean, especially the brands and the retailers, I think clearly that's who 420 is biggest for within the industry. Uh, it was cool this past weekend to see like our client Jeter did a party with Tao nightclubs and Diplo at Coachella. Uh, so just to see the level of partners, uh, this is no longer, you know, like a sm small, like, hey, we're having an event, you know, out back or what have you these are large scale events yeah. Yeah. those guys come from the music festival industry and you know did a pretty epic drone show uh above coachella uh so just excited to see the different brands and you know what they roll out for 420 i hope they all start making lots of money huh? because that's one thing in this industry that doesn't happen often enough it's uh there's lots of hype there's lots of investment but the actual profit part sort of eludes a lot of companies still. So yeah, anyway, maybe that's too glass half empty, but um, I hope it working for all of them as all I'm saying. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I guess uh, one of the final plugs for Bespoke, but yes, our, our clients are really, you know, finding use out of our product offering and thriving under it. So we, we do see lots of successful companies and that is great to see because to your point, they're, Historically, were a lot of people that spent a lot of money on some marketing initiatives, but didn't have the sales to back it up. I think what's great is to see people, you know, doing cool things in the industry and having the business and revenue to actually back it up uh, provides a lot more legitimacy just to, to everyone, uh, you know, across the board. Good stuff. I think that's a good place to start to wrap up. Um, you watch Jesus and Miro? on Showtime. You ever see that show? I have not. Oh, too bad. Well, they do this thing where they ask uh, if you had a neon sign that was above your head for the rest of your life, you had to walk around with a neon sign. What would your sign say? Sheesh. Um, <laughs> maybe sheesh. <laughs> no. Nah. You don't have to answer that question. Uh, how, how can we help you? Are you guys hiring for anything? How many people are you? How many people are you now? Yeah, Bespoke, we have about 35 people. I mean, we're definitely hiring, you know, in every department, I would say, as this is a rapidly scaling time in the company's history. A lot of that is on the technology side. So as you know, we're making some big strides on our fintech platform, uh, so I'd say check out if you're a developer or engineer, and then on the sales side, you know, currently we're looking for SDRs and always looking for great account executives uh, on my team. Good stuff, man. Always good to see a friend. Thank you for being on. Thank you guys for sponsoring the show. And uh, we'll talk soon. We'll see you soon. Thank you, sir. Great to see you. Appreciate you having me. Happy 420. You too.